good to see you all. Happy Easter to each and every one of you. Thanks for coming out and being with us for Easter Sunday. Uh, we um, are so glad to have you. My name is Eric Montoya, pastor of the Grove. If you don't know me, and I'm uh, so thrilled that you're here with us. Uh, I think today's message is going to be very encouraging and helpful to you, to all of us. Um, it's just it's great. And so we're, we're talking today about how to live through a bad day. And uh, we're going to look at the, the final statement that Jesus makes on the cross and how it matters to us and what it means to us and how it can teach us. Uh, it's very interesting on, on what we call Good Friday would have been a bad Friday for Jesus, the bad day that he died, um, and the disciples were freaking out. Everybody, it, was, it was not a good day for them. And, uh, and we call it Good Friday because of what it means to us now, 2,000 years later. Uh, but we're going to look at some statements that he made on the cross. It's, it's pretty amazing that God, even, even in the last few moments of his life, the last few hours, he used that time to help us even learn something. And uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Hebrews uh, that encourages us that whenever we're struggling, uh, we can learn something from his story. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. So we're in this race. You and I are in a race. It's a race called we call life. And how we finish this race is really important. And the writer of Hebrews is saying we should consider how Jesus ran his race because it's going to help us know what we can do with our race that we're in. Uh, study how he did it. Never, he never lost sight of where he was headed. That accelerating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. We look at Jesus' story and he's saying, if we study it and look, we can learn something from it. Now he's there in place of honor, right alongside God. And, and his, his job now, is his role, he's, he's next to God as an intercessor. He's, he's praying for us. Uh, so when we go going through something, God, he leans over to the Father and he whispers like, hey, that's really difficult. You should, man, you should help him with that. That's, that's something he understands the pain we've gone through. Uh, when you find yourself struggling or flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he pushed through, that he plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So the writer of Hebrew is saying, when you have a bad day, if you go study how the bad day of Jesus, it'll actually, and, and the life of Jesus, it'll help you to be able to get through your day in a better way. Um, see, his, his bad day started on Thursday night. We call it, um, we call it uh, the Last Supper, where he, he meets with his disciples and he serves, he serves them communion. Uh, he breaks the bread and he, he gives a cup of wine. And, and uh, we celebrate that up at the Cross of the Martyrs on Friday. That was a great, great to have a lot of you guys go there and join us to, for communion. Um, but on Thursday, he, he, he would have broke that communion and went to the, the, to the garden to pray. It says he went and prayed, and that night he was arrested. Uh, illegally tried in, in different trials, three different trials and two different, by two different kings. And then he was brutally beaten and assaulted through that night. And the next day, he was then crucified and hung on the cross. And, and, and no sooner as he's hoisted up on the cross and the cross falls in the hole, um, he says a few things. And, and the first statement that he said is, um, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. And these statements that he makes on the cross, the seven statements he makes on the cross, they teach us a lot about what, it, what the Christian faith is all about, what it means to follow Christ. See, Christian means you're, you're Christ-like or you're following Christ's example. And uh, as, he, as he's dying, his, his last day, and, uh, he, he's about to die, he makes these statements that teach us something about life, and they, and they speak volumes of what the Christian faith uh, means and what it holds. And the first one is about forgiveness. So we need to forgive those who are trying to ruin our lives, forgive others. And then he, he talks to the, the thief on the cross next to him. And, and we learn that we're supposed to help others who are experiencing the same struggles we are. That will help us get through our bad days. Um, and then he takes care of his responsibility. He passes off his responsibility as the oldest son to John. He says, John, this is your mom. Mom, this is your son. And take care of, take care of my mom, essentially. He passes it to John. He takes care of his responsibilities. And then in the middle of his bad day, when it's darkest, he aims his hard question at God and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he teaches us, we, we can aim our questions at God. Aim our hard questions at God, not man. Um, and he's quoting some scriptures when he's, when he's saying that that teaches us that we need to have trust. And it's a part of worship. It's, it's, it's important that we don't lose sight of what God's trying to do in our lives. 
And then he says, he, at one point he says that he's thirsty. And it teaches us that we have to acknowledge our humanity our, our, and, and be humble enough to ask for help from others when we need it. Um, and, then the, and then the sixth statement, he says it's finished. It's paid in full. Um, and, and that's such an important statement because what essentially he's saying is the reason I came to earth has now been fulfilled. The reason I came has been done. I died on the cross for a purpose. I, I walked this earth for a purpose, and now it is finished. It's paid and full. And, it, and that because of his sacrifice, it opens up a door for us. And I'm going to read the seventh statement in a second. And a lot of times we overlook this statement, but it gives us insight into how we can also get through our bad days. And it will help us on this. Um, and when, when we know God is with us during our bad days, we can face what is against us. That's the lesson of, 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 the, of the messages that he's, the statements he says on the cross, is that when we know God is with us, we'll be able to push through and get through even the worst of circumstances. Because um, our struggles, they have a purpose, and my pain always has an end. And when we understand that, whatever we go through, we can get through it because we know there's going to be an end to it. There'll be a purpose to it. So before we jump into the seventh statement, I really want to talk about a tension that we all live with. All right. Uh, this could be on a daily basis. It could be a lot of times it shows up at night, but it can show up at any moment. And, and, um, and this thing, we all struggle with it at times. And, and this thing, it robs us of, of our time. Um, it robs us of, of relationships. Uh, this one thing that we all struggle with and face, it robs us of sleep. Uh, but most importantly, I think it really robs us of joy and a, and a full life that God wants us to have. And today we're going to talk about that because Jesus talked about it. And the last statement that he makes, it, it, it refers to that, it hints to that, um, how we need to let go of this one thing. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you what that one thing is in a second. But this is the last statement Jesus makes on the cross before he dies. Luke 20, 23, 44 through 46. It says this. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land uh, until the ninth hour. So from noon, the sixth hour is noon, noon and then until three o'clock. So um, the, the, the darkness came um, until the ninth and then the sun stopped shining. And this is when Jesus begins to make those statements about uh, God, why are you forsaking me? And um, um, I'm thirsty, all those things. And then, and then it says that after he, he says it's finished, right? It says that uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Luke gives us this detail because it's really important. Uh, this detail really demonstrates what, what the cross is all about and really what, what Easter is about. Why, why God came to die on that cross in the first place. And see, the, the, the curtain in the temple, it represented something um, that, that uh, we need to really understand is that until this point, before the curtain was torn, you had to be a, a, a specific type of person of a certain lineage to be able to enter into God's presence. So it was the high priest that could go once a year into the, what they call the Holy of Holies. So inside the temple, there was this inner room that had a curtain that, that separated it from the other parts. And in this curtain, only the high priest could go in once a year. And if this high priest wasn't right and there was sin, he would actually he would die on the spot in, in, in the presence of God because uh, sin can't stand in the presence of God. And so it was closed off. And so once a year, they'd be able to go into it. So when, the, when, when it says Jesus says it's paid in full, it is finished, there's an earthquake and the curtain is ripped from top to bottom, which signifies that heaven was, was opening up the, the, the presence of God, making it available to everybody. That curtain was no longer going to keep God's presence from, from uh, only allowed to, to have a certain type of person be able to go in the presence of God. But he's saying that my presence is going to be available to anybody, whether you're Jew or Gentile, whatever you're male or female, doesn't matter. It's available to everybody. And in that moment that the curtain is torn, essentially God is saying, um, if you want a relationship with me, you can have it. It's no longer going to be about rituals and about this temple. It's going to be about something much greater. Um, and you will now be my temple. I will live in, in, in tents that are made of skin, made of, made of flesh of us. He'll, he'll be living in us. And so Jesus then cries out with a loud voice. And this is the last statement he makes on the cross, the seventh statement. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. And he died. 
So the last statement Jesus says is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What's really interesting about this statement, and a lot of statements he made, is you could find them throughout the scriptures, uh, in the prophecies, right? in, in the Psalms and in the prophets. Um, God is hinting at this Messiah that's going to come is going to suffer. So for thousands of years before Jesus died, God is telling the story of, hey, we're not in a good situation, but one day there's going to be a, a, a ruler that's going to come. There's going to be a Messiah that's going to come and, and give his life so you can have life again. And, and the scriptures, the Old Testament is telling us, like, don't miss out. It's hard right now, but it's going to be good. Don't, don't give up. And uh, what we learn about this last statement, we'll, we'll read the psalm in a second, is when he says, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. Really what, what, what we need to learn is we need to surrender our day to God and let it go. He's learned, he, and throughout his whole teachings, he was always surrender and, and trusting God was always a big part of that. See, if we look at the seven statements about forgiveness, about serving others, um, about uh, having a relationship with God, about worship, about trust, uh, really about um, um, the other one was, was about hu- humility and humbling ourselves to be able to do that. And then purpose, that, there, that even the things we go through, God has purpose for our lives. And in this one, it's really a statement about surrender and surrendering our day and, and learning to let go of it. So if the sixth statement of it is finished, it's about triumph and, and his victory. The seventh statement is really about trust, saying, God, I've done what you've asked me to do. I'm, I'm going I'm to trust you for the results. I'm now going to allow you to do what you need to do. Um, and here's the truth. You and I will never fully receive everything God has for us if we, don't ever, if, we don't, if we don't ever learn to trust him with every part of our lives. Like we need to learn to release those things that keep us, keep us stuck. So, so the one thing we all struggle with, it would be worry. Um, the worry is, is the issue that we all face and anxiety on a, sometimes a daily basis. Sometimes it comes at you know, uh, different times, uh, different, different of us struggle at different times with it. But we all have these moments where we worry about things. So when, when Jesus says, into your hands I commit, commit my spirit, in Psalms 31, this is the quote, all right? And, and really there's something we can learn from this, this, this um, prophecy and this quote that, that he says. It says this in Psalms 31, 4 and 5. Flee me from, free me from the trap that is set for me. Important word there is trap. For you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. So when the psalmist is, is writing this, he's speaking of what Jesus is going to say. It's, it's a prophecy. But really, when he says, free me from this trap that is set for me, the trap is actually not trusting God. That is the trap. The trap is that you actually have this idea that you can actually control the things that you worry about. Like you have control of everything. And, and really... As I speak today about this message, I'm really speaking to, to all of us, to, to fellow worriers, because we all at times have worries and anxieties. And really, a big part of that stems from that a lot of us are control freaks, right? We all want control in our lives. And because we don't have control, we worry about the things we can't control. And, and it actually takes away from us, and we lose something in, that, in the middle of that. So the trap is not to give it to God. And the psalmist is saying, free me from this trap of thinking I can control everything. Free me from this trap of having to worry about everything myself. Free me from this. So you're my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Would you redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth? So he's saying, I, I need to learn something from this. I'm going to release and not hold on to it. Um, in, in one of the first lessons that Jesus taught in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it's the first gospel and, um, in the New Testament. When it starts, this is the... He records the, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first sermon that Jesus preaches. So it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, and in this, in this um, message that he's, he's sharing, there's this point where he talks about worry. And it's a big section of, of, his, of his message where he talks about worry. Um, in fact, let's read it. Matthew six twenty five through 30, he says this. Um, that is why I tell you not to worry, all right, about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink and enough clothes to wear. Isn't life, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? 
So he's saying, I'm going to tell you something about not worrying. But notice what he says, that is why I tell you. Well, the reason he says that is why I tell you is because he makes a statement the verse before. And the verse before, he's talking about, if we look at verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. So in this context, he is talking about money. But really the principle is you need to learn to put God first in everything. It's not, it's not just finance. That's important. But he's saying you have to learn to be able to trust God in all things. See, so for the, the Greek word, the root of the Greek word for worry means a divided mind. It means that we, we have these two ideas that are in, in, in competition with each other. Right. So when we worry, it's essentially like this. OK, I got this. I got this. I got this. I'm going to worry about this. No, no, God, I give it to you. No, I got this. No, you got this. No, I got this. A divided mind cannot settle on who's going to be, be in control, who's going to do what. So when he says no one can serve two masters. He's saying you can't have two ideas that compete against each other. Um, and at the same time, that's a divided mind. And he said you can't do that. If you're going to be if you're going to follow my example, you have to learn uh, to, to let me lead the way um, and, and really worry. And, and really, lordship, they speak of really about the question about um, are we going to let, ha- let God have control or not? Are we going to just keep control or are we going to allow God to work in our lives? Really, who are you going to trust? Are you going to tr- trust yourself to be able to accomplish these things through your worrying? Or are you going to trust God to be able to work on your behalf even when you don't see what's happening? And that's the question is who's going to that? So it goes on. After he says, don't, I tell you not to worry about your life, right? Whether you have enough food or, or drink, he says, uh, look at the birds of the air. Uh, they don't. They don't plant or harvest or stir food in, in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you more valuable to him than they are so the animals like, this is a great creation is awesome but aren't you more valuable than even the animals but god takes care of them can all of your worries add a single moment to your life and i think we should pause there and just really ask that question of ourselves so when i stay up at night worrying about things is it really adding anything to my life i would argue and say no i think it actually takes away from you um and i think in this in this in this sermon on the mount he's talking about he's 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 really building the kingdom and how we should approach life and how we should approach the kingdom of God. And, and he's really saying all these, these things are trivial issues. Now, we call them, here in America, we call them first world problems, right? When you don't have internet or your phone doesn't work or your coffee's not hot enough or your food got cold or something, right? It's like, man, those issues people around the world don't deal with. That's, that's just a first world problem. Like we're, we're very blessed in that way. But sometimes even those things that, that we worry about, they're, they're trivial. They don't matter. They're not eternal. And, and Jesus is saying there's an t- eternal ramifications and, and picture of what's going on, don't miss it. Don't let the worries of your life and the things that consume you overtake the purpose of what you're supposed to be doing on this earth. Like, you're in a race. Don't, don't be distracted by these things. Um, he's saying, I help them. I take care of them. Um, and, and here's the thing. The worries, they take more of our life than the thing you're actually worrying about. So the worry you have, like, it actually takes more from you than the, 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 the actual work that you do with worrying about it. Um, he goes on and says this, and, Matt, and, and, uh, and he says this, and don't, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And notice he ties this whole thing of worrying down to this the idea of faith, about trust in God, right? Faith is it's a, it's the ability to trust God for something that we can't, um, see ourselves, or even even it's something we're hoping for. So why is it that he's saying that you don't trust God in this? When you worry, you're essentially saying, God, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And we can't take care of it. A lot of things that we try to control, we can't. Um, it, it's, the statement is really saying, I don't know if I trust you. Uh, when we take back the things that we should be leaving in God's hands, we're saying, I don't know if I can actually trust you. 
Uh, there's, there's a website called Study Finds, and it, it gives all the stats of, of different things about our country. And in this, in this, on this website, I found a, a, one of the studies that they did. They found they ranked the states, the 50 states of, of the most stressed to the least stressed. Um, and as I was reading through this, they, they ranked it on four things, all right? Um, work-related stress, money-related stress, family-related stress, and health and safety-related stress. And out of those four things, they then got the numbers from each state, and they, they factored in who, you know, how, how stressed states are, out, are, are, are stressed out. And New Mexico ranked number six out of the 50 in the most stressed states. Um, and when it comes to the, the main, main one that was the lowest, that, that was the highest uh, stress part of it, was actually work-related stress. Like, we were, New Mexico is number three in the nation for uh, feelings of, of work-related stress, that our stress is the highest when it comes to that. And then the other issues, the other ones, they were still high, but not as high as, as the work-related. And this is what I know about, about human, even about us, even New Mexicans, that there's, there's things in our life that cause stress, and, and it keeps us up at night. And it, in the middle of the day, it, it, comes, it rises up in the conversations or the things that happen that, that are thrown on our desk or the conversations we have. And all of a sudden, the stress rises up, and we begin to worry about things a lot of times we can't even control. And I really think that the, the, one of the main lessons that the Bible is trying to teach us is, hey, in the middle of this, would you just chill out? Would you take a breath? Would you say, God, help me in the middle of this? And would you learn to surrender and let go of whatever you're holding on to, whatever you're trying to control? See, you've heard of the layaway plan, right? Layaway plan, you go to the store and you want to buy an item, so you put money towards it until you can pay it off, and then you get items yours. See, I think, I think too many of us actually have signed up for the layawake plan. The lay-awake plan is at night you lay awake trying to figure out how you're going to pay for everything you already bought, right? It's the worry that consumes us a lot of times because we don't, think of, we don't always think through the process of it. And God is saying, hey, in the middle of this, don't stress over these things. Don't get yourself in that situation, first of all, but learn not to, to be, be so stressed out about these things. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul he, he, he knew a lot about bad days. He knew a lot about suffering. He knew a lot about challenges with life. And in Philippians, he writes this statement about worry. Um, and here's Paul in prison. Paul's in prison, the place you probably should worry a little bit, maybe, right? Maybe not, I don't know. But he's, he, in the worst, maybe, moments of his life that should have been, they're actually some of the, the happiest and joy-filled life moments. He says this, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry. But instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs. What is he saying? When you have worry, man, you need to stop worrying and just present it to God. So I guess he gives us the, the solution there. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Don't worry. Instead, pray. And he goes gives the condition says, if you do this, if you will pray instead of worrying, he says, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. You'll, you'll experience that, something that God has for you that you can't even explain at times. That's the peace that God gives. See, because prayer is not informing God of what's going on. Really, prayer is saying, God, here it is. I'm letting it go. I'm going to trust you for the outcomes. Now, speak to me. Help me to know what I'm supposed to do in this, but I'm going to trust you for the outcomes. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in your hands. See, we, we take them to him and we let go of it. Um, I think trust and, and worrying, and it's kind of like a story of a pilot. Um, he was a newly licensed pilot. So he's in his, his private jet, uh, private, not private jet, private plane, and he's flying this plane, and as he's flying, the clouds come in. It's a cloudy day, and he's in the middle of clouds, and he starts freaking out a little bit. So he's calling Radio Tower because he's getting close to the, to, the, to the runway to land this plane. And as he's talking to the radio control tower, he begins to get a little panicky because he's never landed a plane in this kind of condition. So he's like, man, am I going to die? Am I going to crash? And all the worries and anxiety begin to set in. Um, and as he's talking to the control tower, finally a stern voice comes over the radio and says, hey, you just obey instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. 
So we can see what you don't see. You're going to have to trust us. You don't see it, but you'll have to trust us. If you're going to go towards something that's going to hurt you, man, we'll, we'll direct you away from that. You can't see right now because of the clouds. I'm going to you just, just trust us. You follow the instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions, the things that are getting your way. I think that's exactly what it is with God sometimes. Is he's saying, if you'll trust me in this life, yes, I know it's kind of cloudy in your bad day, and whatever you're going through is difficult, and the anxieties and the worries you have, you can't see through them, right? So then you begin to worry about all the things that are possibly there that, that you don't know for sure. It's, it's like you don't really know what's there, but you imagine something worse than, than it probably is, and you begin to let your mind go crazy with it. I think in the middle of God is saying, hey, just, just follow the instructions. I'll worry about all the other things that block you. I'll worry about the other things that you're actually going to cause you harm. Just trust me on this journey. So I would say this, if, if instead of falling into the worry trap, the way we break that is we have to learn a couple of things that will help us to, to, to live with, with less worry and less anxiety in our lives. In our lives. This is, the first one is this, get to know God. So if you're here today and you don't know God, that would be the first step is get to know God. That would be the greatest thing that I can do for your life is, is introduce you to a relationship with God where you begin to trust him. Because um, here's the thing, the more you know God, the more you'll trust him. And the better you know of, of how he works – the better you'll be able to, to, to release those things that, that worry you so much. It's a relationship that he's always proved himself. I look back over my relationship with him. He, he's, he can be trustworthy because every time I've gone through something, he always makes it work out. If you're here today and you do know God, I would add better to that. Know God better because the better you know him, the more you'll trust him. And it, and it works that way. We just, we, we, he makes things work out on, on our behalf. See, I have a promise. The Bible says that those um, who seek him, those who are called according to his purposes, he'll turn all the bad into something good. That even in my bad day, he'll take that and he'll make something good out of it. He'll help me to know that he's at work. Um, so get to know God. Jesus says this. He continues on in, the, in that, in that parable, in the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink and what shall we wear? So he's saying these are some major concerns, that things that concern us, right, that we worry about, food and, and drink and clothing, all the things. He says, for even the pagans run after these things. So people, even people who don't know God, they, they chase after those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he's saying, don't worry, your heavenly Father knows. Another, another uh, paraphrase of that, the message says, people who don't know God and the way he works worry over these things. They worry about these things. So he's saying... Essentially, get to know God, and you'll begin to not worry about those things because you'll understand he's going to take care of those. Um, why worry when it doesn't do any good? You know, there's a story of a, of a man t- turned turn to his wife. She's always big worrier, always worrying about everything. He says, honey, um, I, don't, I don't know why you worry about everything. It doesn't do any good. She says, what are you talking about? About 90% of the things I worry about never happen. See, I think it's working. I think it's the opposite of that, right? So 90% of the things you worry about don't work. But we somehow we think in our mind, if I worry about it, I control it. If I think about it enough, it's going to change. The truth is no. In fact, 90% of the stuff you do worry about, you can't do anything about. So why, why worry about it? So get to know God. Get to know God better. Second thing is this. Put God first in every area of your life. If you're going to beat the worry trap, get to know God. He's, he's trustworthy. Second thing is put God first in every area of your life. Jesus goes on and says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he's saying instead of putting your energy into worry, instead of putting your energy into things you can't control, why don't you put them into his agenda? Instead of worrying, um, begin to place it into something that he has for you. See, I think what happens a lot of times is we don't think of other things to maybe put our energy into. So the only thing we have is to the thing that we're worrying about, we put our energy into that. And it sucks the energy out of us and the time out of us, and it makes us crazy, right? And he's saying if you will put your energy into things I'm asking you to do, you put me first, man, I'll take care of all the other things. So you pour your life into what God has, and he'll honor and take care of the rest of the details. 
That's what this, this, this principle is. If you seek God first in his kingdom, all the details of your life will work out. See, so for today, we start our week off Sunday mornings, right? This is why I love Sunday mornings. It's, it's a way that we can start our week off by saying, God, I want to put you first. And then the week begins. It, it's so much better than not putting God first. And in our day, when you put God first in the different areas of your life, it works out much better. You probably know this, like when you when you haven't gone to church or read the Bible for a while, like your week just doesn't work out the same way it does when you're saying, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to trust you for these things. And worry creeps in. Other things creep in because we're not seeking him first. We're seeking our own things first. He's saying, if you will seek me first, I'll take care of all the other all the other issues. Uh, There's a, a study that Duke University did, and the study was on peace of mind. And they found eight factors that contribute greatly to the emotional and mental stability of people. I'm not going to give you all eight. I'm just going to give you the the, the eighth one I thought was fascinating. Uh, In this study of peace of mind about emotional mental stability, this is what they said. They said the eighth thing that contributes to um, um, emotional mental stability is find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Find something bigger than yourself to believe in because self-centered, egotistical people, they score lowest on any test measuring happiness. So if you're a self-centered, egotistical person, when they have any kind of test you do on happiness, you would score really low. Why? Because you're focused only on self. And our self can only get us so far in life, right? There's a point that we cannot fulfill anything more than what we can fulfill, what we can do. And that's not a big enough life to live. That's not a big enough story. So the, the study is saying if you find something bigger than yourself, and I think this is the principle God is pointing to, if you will say, God, I'll seek you. Your kingdom is much bigger than my life. Use my life for something good. Then all of a sudden, our pain and our issues that we're so focused on and worrying about, they actually, God takes care of them for us because we're taking care of the stuff that he wants to take care of. And he always comes through. When you put him first in your life, he always shows up by honoring you and taking care of the rest. So don't be a self-centered, egotistical person, right? Learn to focus on something more than just your pain, your own issues. Um, so get to know God. Get to know God better. Put God first in every area of your life. And the third thing, if you're going to beat the worry trap, is this. Live one day at a time. I think we all know this, but I think we need reminders sometimes. We need to learn to live one day at a time. Um, it's kind of like um, you know, a lot of us live with this idea of, you know, um, with the umbrella always open, worry is kind of like, I'm pretty sure it's going to rain today, so um, I, I sh- should be ready for this. Whoa. Perfect example. I'm not going to worry about this thing. <laughs> this thing's broken. It's like, worrying about the umbrella, right? It's like, fine, I'm going to worry about my broken umbrella. <laughs> And we live life like this. I'm sure it's going to rain. Man, I'm going to stay up all night worrying about this because I'm pretty sure something's going to happen bad. I think it's going to rain. And many people of us that worry and have anxiety all the time, we live with the umbrella open all the time. And really the answer is, yes, the umbrella is good when it's raining. It's a good tool, right? But it's not a very good tool when it's not raining. Why? Because you miss the birds. You miss the blue skies. You even miss the people sitting around you because you can't see anything, right? Just It's a hindrance. It blocks. And then when it's broken, it's even worse because you're like, man, umbrella work. Okay, there we go. All these things to worry about in life, right? It's a good tool when, when, when there's actually rain happening. But when there's not, it's not a good tool. Learn to put the umbrella down. Learn to put the worry down and say, all right, if it does happen, I'll, be, I'll do something about that. But I'm not going to live with this open. And when we lay awake at night, it's like this. We have the umbrella up. Like, man, I know it's going to rain. I, I, yeah, it's like. Guys, there's sun outside. You're missing the day. You're missing the people around you. Your worry robs you of things. Uh, live one day at a time. Therefore, Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has, will, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So if you can imagine your, 
your day as, as, as um, every day was like a, a block or a brick, right? And that's your day that you should be concerned with. Like, it, you, should have, you should have some thought in your day. Like, today I should be working. Today I should be accomplishing things. Um, and that would be the, the thing you should actually be worrying about is just what you can accomplish that day. What happens is if, if you get today's block and you begin to get tomorrow's block, you pick it up. And then after a while, you're like, man, I need a backpack for this. And you begin to put tomorrow's and the next day after that and the day after that. And you're like, well, I need to go back and yesterday a little bit and worry about those things because they might find out about those things. And if you can imagine with me, instead of carrying one block for the day, you're now carrying 365 blocks. Maybe some of us, you know, three, four years worth of it. It's like this pressure that you feel of like, I have to control everything for the next five years. And if I can't control everything, it's going to you get the point. You're, you're holding this weight that you can't bear. And Jesus is saying, don't, wor- don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Just, just take care of today's issues, today's worries. Like, just, just trust God for what's going to happen this way. Put all the blocks down. Put the umbrella down. Just worry about the one block you can manage, the one thing you can do. You don't have tomorrow, but you do have today. What are you going to do with it? Uh, there's a quote from Leo uh, Buscaglia. He says this, Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. Never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. Your worrying is not changing tomorrow. It's only destroying and taking away from what you can do today. Your anxiety about what might be only steals from the opportunity for you to actually have joy in life in this moment. And God is saying, if you'll trust me, you'll find more joy and peace in life because you're not going to be uh, worried about all the things that are coming. Um, maybe maybe as, as we go through bad days and we pray prayers, even like Jesus said, God, why are you forsaking me? Why am I going through this bad day? God's okay with that. He, 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 he's, he's fine with that. Or maybe your prayers are, God, I really want to be successful in this area. I really want to be the best person I could possibly be. I really want to have a successful marriage or be my parent, my kids to be good. Well, what if everything you're going through and everything you've been praying for is actually preparing you for what you actually asked for? Maybe we have to reframe the things we go through. Maybe your bad day is actually just a setup for your best day. What if the bad day that you're going through is only an opportunity for you to become better? Like you said, God, I want to be better. I want to do things. Okay, here's, here's some weight. Here's a test to help you get stronger. And the thing you're facing might actually be something that's going to help you improve and overcome and get stronger. And we think, hey, it's not comfortable. It's not right. Why do I have to suffer? It's like, it's like no, that's just a little bit of pressure so you can become better. See, because pressure always reveals what's there. And sometimes the pressure we're in is only for God's help to reveal what's there so we can overcome and become better in whatever we're facing. So what if everything you're going through is actually preparing you for become better? See, we look at the cross, and on Friday there was suffering and there was pain. And, and, and the disciples, that was a bad day. And then it goes into Saturday, and this is the day of confusion and worry, right? This is the anxiety day, like, are we next? All the disciples thinking, are we next? Are they going to come for us next? Because they're really mad at what Jesus was teaching, and now the disciples. And they're like, what is going on? But then what happens? Sunday morning comes, and the angel shows up and says, hey, the one you're looking for was crucified. He's not here. He's alive. He's risen. And the, the pain of Friday that bled into the worry of Saturday actually became the joy of Sunday. And when you live your life saying, okay, God, I'm not going to worry about Sunday. I'm not going to worry about what's coming. I'm just going to trust you. It really helps us to, say, to, to, to bypass the worrying stage and begin to find the joy. And even when you don't feel it, don't see it, you just begin to celebrate and say, God, I know in the middle of this storm, it's not fun, but I know in the end of it, I'm going to learn something great. I know there's going to be something better for me on the other side. And I know you have something for me if I would just keep pushing. So I would say this, don't get stuck in Friday's pain or Saturday's worries because Sunday is coming. And in Sunday, there's always hope, and there's always good things about for everything that God has for our lives if we'll trust him. It doesn't necessarily make this easy. It makes it easier and if we'll trust him. And that's the message God just is telling us is, is surrender it all. Learn to let go of it. Don't carry it. Um, one of the things that I always I like to share is when we find good resources to help others um, to pass them on. 
And so uh, my, my wife, um, the last, uh, this last half year or so, there was a moment where she had a lot of anxiety and worry. Um, and in, in, those, in those moments, she found a resource called Goliath Must Fall. It's a book by Louis Giglio, fantastic book. Um, she shared a little bit about what she was reading, and um, there was just this moment where, where it helped her so much because she was able to learn something. I'll tell you about that in a second. But anyways, if, if you struggle with worry, anxiety, I would say this is a great book to pick up. It's really about how to, how to defeat the giants that we face. Maybe you have a giant of, uh, of addiction. Maybe your giant is just worry and anxiety. Maybe you're so fearful and, and those things drive you. This would be a good book to really maybe help you to, to see. I'm going to read an expert, excerpt of a couple of uh, parts of it. Um, and this is what Louis, he, he says in the book. He says that people in the Western world, they take more medication to sleep at night than the rest of the world takes in a lifetime. Don't miss that. People in the Western world take more medication to sleep at night than the rest of the world takes in a lifetime. And the medications aren't all the same. Some people, they get their medication from a doctor, and some people get their medication from a bottle. But the end goal is always the same. We want to take the edge off. We want to decompress. We just want to forget about the things that are troubling us for a while. We want to not be afraid. We go to those things because we want to stop worrying. We want to stop all that concern. We think that's the solution. But here's the thing, and this is the challenge he gives us, is if we'll learn to control, let go, let go of control and surrender to God, something can happen. He says, he says this is his challenges. First thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed at night, fill your mind and your heart with these words. Make this a habit. Don't tap on your message icon or your e- email icon or your favorite social media icon or your to-do list or the weather forecast or the news. Instead, tap on the Uversion app and just leave it open or just leave it open to Psalms 23. Tap on the little speaker icon. If you're alone, you can just let it play. If you're married, you might want to put, put your earphones on or you might want to re- listen together. And keep a bookmark or keep a bookmark in your Bible at this passage. So all you have to do is open it and read it. And then here's what he says. Here's the rhythm. First thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed, you seek the face of the Lord through his word. You say, tell me, Lord Jesus, about who you are, about where you lead me, about what my future is. Let me know of your goodness. And then when you wake up, you say it again. Tell me again. You may need a break in the middle of the day, so you get up from your cubicle, you go into the bathroom, and you say, tell me again, God. You may need encouragement when you're in your car, so you say, tell me again, God. And ready for bed, you say, tell me again, God. Your giants wake you up in the middle of the night, you say, tell me again, God. For 40 mornings and 40 evenings, you let the shepherd speak over you, saying, I sent a teenager shepherd to take down Goliath, and I am your shepherd today. I'm standing over your bed tonight. I'm standing in your storm today. I'm right here with you in the middle of this valley of the shadow of death right now. It may be darkness all around, but I'm preparing a table before you so you will have what you need in the midst of your storm. I am with you, and my rod and staff, they will protect and guide you. I am able, and I am here, and I am good. Can you imagine if you started your day and ended your day with those, those questions, right? God, tell me about who you are, about where you lead me, about what my future is. Let me know your goodness. What would your day look like? If you start your day by just saying, all right, I'm going to, read, I'm going to listen to Psalms 23, I'm going to read Psalms 23, and David understood pressure, he understood pain, he understood all those things. He's saying God is a good God who leads us, even when it seems like it's a dark storm in the darkest shadow of death, I'm going to trust him. What, what would your day look like if you said, God, tell me about who you are. Tell me about where you're leading me. Tell me about what you're trying to do in my life. Show me your goodness. And then at night, before you went to sleep, you'd say the thing, same thing. Tell me again, Lord, who you are, about your goodness. Show me your goodness. Show me where you're leading me and what you're trying to help me in. How would that change your life? I think it would be profound. I think there'd be a lot of people who could finally let go of some of their worry when they realize, okay, God's control, I'm not. 
God has a plan in the middle of this. Even though I don't understand it, I'm going to trust him in the middle of it. My wife, when she read this, 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 I think it was specifically maybe even this part of the book, she, there was a night where she just said, you know what? And she put a post. I remember I loved the post. It was so good. She said, you know what? God's going to be up all night. I think I'm going to just let him worry about my worries. I'm just going to give it to him. And I'm going to sleep while he worries about all my things. And that's what God's invitation is to us every time. It's, hey, I'm going to be up all night. Why would, you, why would you stay up and worry about this when I can worry it for you, when I can take care of this for you? And it sends a message to everybody around you and yourself and to God and the enemy is, I'm not going to let the worries of today steal the joy for me today. I'm not going to let the worries and anxieties of what I face take from the, from the life that God, that you have for me. It sends a message. Can you imagine the message you'd be sending yourself and others when you say, God, I put my trust in you. So here's my challenge for today. My challenge is this. Start and end your days by asking God. Maybe this needs to be a, for some of you because so much worry and anxiety. It's got to be a 40-day thing where you can finally start break, see some breakthrough. Tell me, Lord Jesus. This is what you start your end of your day with. Read the Psalm 23. Listen to it. Tell me, Lord Jesus, about who you are, about where you lead, and about what my future is. Let me know your goodness. And the end of the day, when you have to remind, remind yourself, tell me again. God, tell me, Lord Jesus, about who you are, about where you lead, about what my future is. Let me know your goodness. Tell me again. Can you imagine if we did that on a, on, a, on a regular basis, put some habits in our lives where it just reminds us of what God is doing for us on our behalf? Because here's the thing. When we don't know it, God is still working. When you're sleeping, God is still working. When you can't control things, God can. And he wants us to learn to say, I'm going to let go. Uh, Jack Hayford in the book, How to Live Through a Bad Day, says this, to live through a bad day, indeed, to conclude it, is to place, place it into the hands of God and leave it there. You want to learn what it means to surrender? It means you place it into the hands of God. You leave it there and say, God, I'm going to trust you for that. Yeah, tell me my part, but I'm going to trust you for the outcomes. God, we're leaving it with you. See, Paul in Philippians, he says this about knowing Christ. Philippians 3.10, we're going to end with this. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Paul is hinting to what it means to follow Christ. It's the way of the cross that we on a daily basis say, God, I'm going to follow your lead which means I'm going to surrender, I'm going to trust you. And I want to experience, I want to know you, and I want to know the power of the resurrection, but also there's, in the suffering and the challenges, I'm going to trust you through that because you're going to make me more like you while I go through those challenges. Make you more like you, God. So today, in a second, I'm going to have you pray a prayer and pray a prayer over you, and then I'm going to give an invitation for some of you in this room that you're not, you're not following Christ, or maybe you're far from God, and maybe you knew at one point, but you've walked away. Maybe, maybe your life's not working and you're here and you're saying, I need a new start. I was invited by somebody, but what you're talking about, I want that. I want to learn to let go of worry and anxiety. I want to learn to trust God and everything. Well, for all of us in this room, I know there's, there's things that, that, that trouble us. There's worries. There's things that come along. What I want us to do in a second, I'm going to have you close your eyes and bow your head. But when I do this, what I want you to do is just imagine that you're, you're taking your, your worries, your anxieties in your, in your hands. All right, here's all those things you've been worried about. Keep you up at night. That in the middle of the day, you concern you. Maybe even drive some fear and other things in your life. I want you to take those in your hand. And today as I pray, what we're going to do at the end of it, I'm going to say, yeah, God, I release it. I let go. And, and as a symbolic gesture, we're going to say, God, I'm, I'm letting go. I'm placing those into your hands. I'm going to let go of these things that have been holding me back from your best. Because the worries that you're carrying are actually taking away the life that you actually need to live. And they're sucking the joy and the life from you. And you're missing out on what God has for you. So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. And as you sit there, would you do me a favor? Just take those worries in your hands. 
just just as a figurative, like just an example of saying, God, I hold this, I hold these worries right now in front of me. You know the concerns, you know the things that are going on, my family, my marriage, my finances, and my work. And you know the things that keep me up at night. You know the things that, that disturb me and cause me to get angry and cause me to be fearful. God, I take all of those right now in this moment, God. And I, and I want to be like Jesus in this moment where I surrender it and I place it in your hands and I leave it there. So, Father God, I pray for each person that's here today as they hold their worries, their anxieties, those things that keep us from your best life, God. God, today I pray that as they, they leave this place, they would leave them here, leave them with you, God, and they would live the best life they could possibly live because they're free, because there's, there's a joy and there's, there's the weight lifted off of them, God. I pray, Lord, God, you'd help us to know you better. God, you pray you'd help us to put you first in all things. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord God, God, to, um, to follow your lead, Lord God, and your example. So today, Lord, we release our worries. God, right now, would you just tell God, God, I give my worries to you. In your own words, God, I release. They're yours. Have them, take them, help me. And as you keep your eyes uh, closed and your head bowed, today, if you're in this room, and as I talk about new life and the cross and resurrection, uh, Jesus died on our behalf, on your behalf, so you can have a new life. And if you're going in the wrong direction, the Bible calls it repentance. You stop going the direction that's not working, and you go the direction God wants you to go. And for some of you in this room today, you need to say, God, I, I turn from my past, I turn from the way I'm going, I turn your way. If you're here today, you need to do that. You need to invite God in your life. You need to put your trust in him. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right there in your seat. I'm not going to call you to the front, but just right there where you're at. But if that's you, would you do me a favor and lift your hand right now wherever you're at. Just let me know you're here. Say, that's me. God, I, I invite you to my life. Awesome. I see quite a few hands. So good. Anybody else? You're here and say, God, I, I surrender. I invite you to lead me. I will invite you to, to, guide, to guide my life. See, submitting to, to Christ and having, making him Lord, it means that he's, he's in control and he's, he's the boss. He's, he's the one that's leading the way and we just we submit, we follow it. So today, if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer, an invitation of relationship with God. And we're saying, God, forgive me of the past. God, lead me into the future. If you're a Christian in this room, a Christ follower, would you pray with us so that those that raise their hand that are praying are not praying alone? Join me in praying this today. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I cannot do it without you. Forgive me of the way I've been going. Forgive me of my past, of my sin. Lead me in a better direction. I want to follow you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on that cross in my place so I could have a new life, so I can experience resurrection. I put my trust in you. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those hands that went up. There's like a dozen hands or so. So good. The best thing I ever did with my life is saying, God, I put it in your hands. You can do no better than I do.